Hey, I'm Dave, and you're listening to another episode of Dying to Listen Podcast, presented by the Disc Golf Dyers Guild. Today, we have a special guest who flew in, flying dies. So, Mr. Jake, thank you for joining us on this podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, first things first, do you play disc golf? I do. I do play a excessive amount of disc golf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when did you get into disc golf? Disc golf for me started like a lot of people, uh, about 2020 pandemic. Um, so my fiance, Nicole and I, we lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan at the time. Um, everything shut down and they boarded the basketball hoops. They took down the tennis nets and disc baskets were the only thing left. Really? Um, yes. Yeah. A, a trip to play it again. A uh, couple discs. I believe I bought, uh, Z crank was one of the discs. I bought a buzz and I bought a Luna and went out to our, um, what I would almost now call pitch and putt, uh, Mary Beth, shout out to anybody that's played that in Ann Arbor. Um, but went out there and, and started playing some disc golf and I've been hooked ever since. Nice. Does she play as well? She does. Yeah. She actually just got her PDGA membership nice. this year. Um, so that's exciting. Um, she does not play as much as I do, um, but she does play probably two or three times a week. So. That's that's more than me. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how much do you play? Currently, I probably average about a round a day. That so that is impressive. Holy yeah. crap! <laughs> it is a lot. Yeah. So I'm I'm currently between jobs. Um, when I was working full time, it was probably probably two to four rounds a week. Um, but currently, it's it's about around at least one a day. I would say if the weather holds out, so, which it's been beautiful. So, so that means you must be really really good. Uh, I'm good. I'm decent, <laughs> but not really, really good. Yeah. Not where I want to be. We'll just put it that way. Do you play in tournaments? Yeah, I play in tournaments. So I've actually got, I've got Sneaky Pete coming up this weekend out in uh, Burlington. So we'll be playing the Regulator, um, the course they played for the USW DGC recently. So we'll be playing that and then two other courses on the property. Um, but I was going to say, so where are you currently located? Currently in Durham, North Carolina. Gotcha. So moved down from Michigan about two years ago, um, almost two and a half years ago. Uh, moved down into the state of North Carolina, which I did not realize was the disc golf capital, really. Um, and it is awesome being in this mecca. It is very, very cool. You know, I never realized that either till I went down there to vend at the Pro Tour Championship. I was like, wow, there is a big disc golf scene down here. Mm -hmm. so, it is huge. So, it is huge. So did you move down there because of that or what made you move? No, we did not. Actually, it's it's crazy to think. Um, we moved down here for my fiance Nicole's career. Um, so she's working here in Research Triangle Park. Um, and we actually moved here and she works remote now. <laughs> um, so it, it has worked out for her quite well. Um, but we moved down here and um, quickly fell in love with the area. It's, it's a nice area. Um, and disc golf happened to be kind of a side effect almost of moving down here. And so I, I've built a community of disc golfers down here that I really, really enjoy. Um, and the number of courses that we have, I mean, there's, there's 10 phenomenal courses with within an hour, probably less. So that's awesome. So where is your hometown? Like where hometown, yeah. hometown would be Kewaskum, Wisconsin, small, small town, Kewaskum, Wisconsin. Um, I actually, I played disc golf one time in Kewaskum. Um, we had a gym section in, it had to have been early high school, maybe, maybe late middle school. Um, this was actually a faint memory that got brought up recently. Someone had mentioned it and I was like, 
by golly, I did play disc golf once a long time ago. I forgot about that, but it was, it was some portable baskets. It was wide open field and just a introduction to the sport. And that was kind of it. And some, if anybody got hooked on it, they got hooked on it and it kind of, we kind of blew through it in gym class. And, um, up until the pandemic, I never even really thought twice about it. Well, that's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. well, you know, hello, fellow Wisconsinite. Uh, don't forget yes. you're big. Uh, <laughs> has anybody made fun of your accent yet? I get it quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> bag is the classic. Um, I am notorious for when I, when a really nice drive goes out or somebody hits a long putt, it's just, I can't stop myself. It's just like, holy moly. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, look I at that. Jeez. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I, I, get a, I get a lot of grief from that one, uh, specifically from my buddy Griffin. It's He's like, holy moly, that was a nice one, huh? It's like, yeah, that was a nice one there. Nice. So, um, actually recently, funny, funny story, Wisconsin, I was recently up in, uh, up in Wisconsin two weeks ago and I was at a Piggly Wiggly of all places and, uh, completely unrelated to disc golf, but just, just reminded me. Um, but a, a young lady was bagging my groceries and I said, Hey, do you guys sell Piggly Wiggly shirts? And she started laughing and she's like, Oh, I don't think we do, but I'll tell you what, you fill out an application. We could probably get you one. <laughs> it hit me. I was like. Man, that is peak Wisconsin, and I think I sound like that. I think to every North Carolinian, I sound like that. <laughs> oh, geez. No. Yeah, it's weird going to other places. I'm like, um, you don't sound normal. <laughs> um, so what uh, what keeps you playing disc golf? Like, why do you enjoy it? Keeps me playing is just the amazing shots, really. It's when somebody hits a big putt. And whether, I mean, even if it's not a big putt, but if it's a big putt for the moment, like if it's coming down neck and neck to the end of a round and it's like, we're, we're notorious. It's a whole 17, 18. We're like, what's the score? What's the score? And we're playing just, you know, a little bit competitively and someone hits that putt or someone throws that line and it's just like, wow. And it's just like, you just live for that moment of just watching someone crush. It's, it is so, so exciting. And I think just the constant progress, it's like that I see for myself, from Nicole, from my friends, it's like just that constant like progression of like everybody's getting better. It's like that constant push for like, I'm going to beat this guy, I'm going to beat this guy, and eventually I'm going to beat him. And he's just, he's getting better and you're getting better and you're just back and forth and back and forth. That keeps me coming back every single day. It's like someday I'll be able to throw like him. Someday yeah, I'll be able to throw like him. And it's it's so addicting. Well, that's awesome. Uh, so what got you into disc dying? Ooh, disc dying. So actually, this is a plug for Dies by Red, uh, which I believe he's been on here. Yes. Uh, I was on Instagram scrolling through mid-pandemic with nothing to do, um, and I came across one of his uh, Lazy Wave dies. And seeing that, I was like, wow, that's pretty crazy. And it was like, click on it, and it's like, start scrolling through his page. And I'm like, holy shit, man, this guy's got some sweet stuff. And like, looking through it, and then it's like, I see hashtag disc die. And I'm looking on Instagram, I'm like, there's this is like a thing. Like, this is a whole thing. So I start looking into it, and then it's like, immediately, like, I dive into it. I'm like, YouTube, like, disc die, like, how to die a disc. And within, I would say, probably a week, I was like, I can do this. Like, I, I could I could totally make this happen. And so that was that. I was like, next thing I know, I'm on Reddit looking up stuff. I'm on Facebook looking up stuff. And next thing I know, I've got packages showing up. I've got ProChem coming in. I've got Floatrol coming in. I've got glue. It's like all this stuff. And it's like, that was two years ago, two and a half years ago. And here we are. Nice. Have you ever talked to Austin from Dyes My Red? 
I bought a disc from him, actually. Um, I've since lost it, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but I, I did buy a disc from him. Um, we communicated a little bit about some of his styles uh, because he has such a unique style and he does it so well, mm-hmm. um, which I unfortunately cannot replicate. <laughs> fortunate for him, unfortunate for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've talked to him a little bit. I've talked to a lot of people in the community about a lot of different styles. Um, a lot of great help out there. A lot of good advice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I don't think I've ever told him um, that he was the reason that got me into it. So I should probably tell him that. Yeah, you definitely will because I'm definitely going to tell him. Uh, we're uh, <laughs> we're good friends, and he's a really awesome dude, and I know he's going to love to hear that. Oh, that's awesome. Is he from Wisconsin as well? Uh no. Um, no. Boy, I feel bad. I don't know where he's from, but he's currently in Austin, Texas. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. I forget where he was from before, but yeah. 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 That's awesome. And it's, I still keep up to date with him. You know, it's like uh, checking out his work. He's always got just the cleanest, cleanest stuff. Yes. And it's like, man, he really just nails that style. And it was so interesting getting into it. Cause I'm like, this guy only really does one style. And then I like, look at it. I'm like, but it's the cleanest that anyone does this style. Yes. Like you only need one style. If you are the expert at that style, he, he, uh, often imitated, but he is the best. There's just yes, that. by, yeah. <laughs> by far by far do you remember the first disc that you died i have it actually yeah. i grabbed it specifically for this awesome i'm i'm actually proud to say that this is my first disc that i ever died it was nothing crazy mm-hmm. but it was something i followed a youtube tutorial pretty much to the t um and picked up a disc ran up to a small disc shop um north of ann arbor and picked it up and I was like, let's see what we can do. And it was basically a lotion bed and did some swirls in it, had like a skewer stick and threw it down and came back down the next night and picked it up, cleaned it off. And I was like, by golly, this is the coolest thing I think I've ever done. (laughs) That's awesome. No, it's so cool because, uh, we were teaching people how to die discs at the tournament for the first time. And it's so cool to see their reaction for something that they create and loved that they're just so excited about it. And yeah. um, I kind of miss that because I'm, I'm I'm doing it so much I don't have that first time experience. But yeah, that mm-hmm. uh, the first time you do your first time, you're like, this is fun. And there goes all your time and money. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's like, next thing I know, I'm looking for all the white discs I can possibly find. Yes. <laughs> uh, do you remember uh, the tutorial or who did that tutorial that you followed? Oh, I want to say... Hmm... The IDD Army. The difference is doing it. There it is. You, you didn't know that name. Off the top of my head, I could okay. not get it. <laughs> nice. Yes, I feel like yes. he. Uh, I feel like he is the uh, godfather for disc dying instruction and teaching. A lot of people learn from him. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you know, with him and his mission to just put stuff out there and to just 100% like openness and just. How do I say to just to just grow the community is something that not everybody has. Not everybody has the passion for. Not everybody has the the skills that he does yeah. and the the eagerness to just put information in people's hands. Um, and and so to see that and to learn from it and to be part of that is like wow. Like that is that's respectable. Like mad respect. Yeah. No. Totally. Totally agree with that because uh, I know how much work it takes to do something like that. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember the second or third disc that you died? Uh, the second one was a, it was a blue Mako three 
uh, and it was it was similar to the lazy waves except for it was only there was I don't know maybe six or seven lines going across of like a purple die and then a pink die and a yellow die um, and it was it was a lazy wave so to speak but it was there was a lot of white in the bed um, put it on a Mako three and I had I loved that Mako three it was the first and probably the only Mako three I ever bagged and I remember the exact hole that I lost it on. <laughs> unfortunately yeah um so there was that one and then the third one actually i've also got sitting here um nicole told me to pull it out <laughs> this was this was a glue bed this was my first ever glue bed <laughs> all right and she yep it was it came out and it was my first experience of like <laughs> it was like that's not what i thought it would be <laughs> And I've grown to live with that feeling. Uh, and I, I get so much humor that she still bags that disc because she's bagged it since the day that I died it. And it's, it's been lost a few times and always made its way back. But <laughs> the uh, uh, ugly child that just doesn't want to go away. <laughs> it won't leave. It won't leave. I actually, I went for a swim in, uh, in a Wisconsin pond. Um, in the, it was actually Thanksgiving weekend. It was, it was coming up almost two years ago today. Um, but it was very cold Wisconsin afternoon and there was ice on the pond. And we threw it, and or I threw it. I threw her disc, and it landed on the ice, and we saw it. And I was like, "We're not leaving it. We can't leave it. It's been lost. It's found its way home so many times." And went for a very brisk swim that afternoon. Jeez. Oh, wow. Well, um, yeah, that that disc will stay for you for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's honestly, it's her main driver at this point. So I love it. What is it? It's a rival, uh, legacy rival. Gotcha. So. And that was a clear glue bed? Yeah, it was a clear glue bed, orange disc, and it was just um, some black dye on there, um, some red dye, um, and the dead dye actually, it was, so it was um, Prochem uh, black, and then it was uh, eye dye, or not eye dye, it was, what's the fishing lure one? Uh, quick coat, worm dip? Quick coat, yeah, quick coat. It was red quick coat, mm -hmm. and threw some of that on there, and basically blew it around with a straw, and just slapped it on. Didn't have blowtorch, didn't have anything, it was just like just send it on and like i say we pulled it out and it was kind of like okay we got some things to learn <laughs> Ugh, maybe this isn't fun after all <laughs> yeah right like this is gonna get expensive yes um so what do you like about this dying and why do you keep doing it the creativity is the biggest portion of why or like what what has me hooked i think it's kind of the wow factor as well it's like being able to come up with something, kind of envision something and make it happen. And then not only do you get to see it and I get excited about it, then I get to show other people and I get to watch them get excited about it. That is what keeps me coming back. And it's like if somebody gives me their disc and they've got a rough idea and they're like, hey, just come up with something, just do something, just make it look cool. And I give it back to them and it's like, I always kind of like reveal it, so to speak, when I give it to them, I'm like turn it around. And then when they're looking at it, just flip it around. They're like, ah, oh my God, that's so cool. That's why I do it is like that feeling of someone just being like, oh, man, like, really? Like, that's my disc. Like, yeah. And it's like and w watching them show their friends. It, it's just it is so exciting. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with that because I've been experiencing that uh, secondhand. I'm like, wow, that uh, that's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Do you have any artistic background? No, not really. Actually, that's what's kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. um, I, I grew up a farm kid. And I grew up very hands-on, like driving tractors, you know, picking rocks was my first job ever, um, working on cars, you know, stuff like that. And like I used to BMX and skateboard and stuff. And so like building ramps was like, that was my artistic ability, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, like I was never a drawer. I was never a painter. 
I was never, never really did any of that. Um, I guess the only other thing that comes to mind is in high school, we had a um, CNC plasma table. And so like cutting logos was something that was kind of big on that in high school. Um, and so I was kind of like the, the plasma guru, but that was, I mean, that's a whole different world, but it was, I guess, metal art yeah. is, is sem- semi a thing. Um, but yeah, never, never to this extent, never definitely had to relearn the color wheel, uh, the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, outside of that, it's like, it's interesting to think that like, I didn't come from an artistic background. I don't have artists in the family, so to speak. And here we are. Yeah. I feel like a lot of Wisconsin kids grew up the same because my first job was picking up sticks. Oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that is very interesting that I feel like a lot of disc dyers don't necessarily have a artistic background or formal background. And it's just, uh, it's nice to have a creative outlet, um, to do something creative. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. And it's cool too, because even without an artistic background, like you can really fuck some discs up, but like you use the right colors together. Like at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's still a piece of plastic you can huck in the woods, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're willing to learn, you can basically learn anything. Disc tying all in all, isn't too hard to do. Um, even if you feel like you don't have a creative background, like I said, I feel like a lot of disc dyers don't, don't let that stop you from actually trying. Um, yep. because you know, you don't know if you like it, if you never try it. Yep. I agree. And I think it's always interesting and always exciting to see what you can amaze yourself with. Yes. It's like, if you tell yourself you can do it, you can do it. Absolutely. Like, make it happen. And there's a lot of information out there of how to do it. And that's one of my goals with the Dyers Guild is to help consolidate that information and make it easier for beginner disc dyers. So, yep, yep, I agree. And I think actually on that note too, it's like, I think that I found myself that I got almost addicted to looking for more information. (laughs) It was like looking for new styles, looking for people that are willing to give information on new styles, talk about it with, with strangers. It's like, that was almost as exciting to me as it was to just pull a disc out of a bed. Yeah. You know, I feel like you're a lot like me because half or three quarters of the part of learning or doing something new is just learning everything about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. I must learn everything. Then buy all the expensive stuff then get bored with it and learn something else. (laughs) Yep. That's how it goes. <laughs> um, so through your two years of dying, do you think mm-hmm. you have developed a signature style? And if so, how would you describe that? Yeah, I would say signature style currently, or I guess my, my most favorite and most common like commission disc is anything with a character. And actually these, this one, the middle one and the one over there, um, would be similar. And actually I've got one here too. Um, the, like character in the middle background in the back painted in and and kind of just let the background be whatever whatever anybody wants and really kind of mold together the stencils mold together the background and then mold together the hand painting um and i I think that there's the most flexibility there as far as creativity goes um and the most how do i say you can you can fix fuck-ups on that style Mm -hmm. pretty well which i like and so it's like I think you can really put some uniqueness into that. Um, and yeah, I would say that's the most time consuming style that I do by far, but I think it's the most exciting and it's the most like customizable, so to speak. Yeah. No, I think, uh, that that's my style as well. You do a stencil. Uh, I like to do clear glue bed backgrounds and you color it in. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, how did you get into stencils? How did I get into stencils? That's a good question. I, it had to be through Facebook. Um, I had to have seen some, um, in a couple different groups on Facebook there. And 
it's like seeing the work that you can do with stencils and seeing the intricacies that some people had was like, that was again, a new challenge that I was like, if they can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then immediately got on Facebook marketplace and started looking for, uh, vinyl cutters and did my research on those. And I was like, I'm not buying a cricket. I won't, I won't <laughs> succumb to the cricket and ended up getting a, a phenomenal deal on a cameo, uh, and bought it. And yeah, that was kind of that. And, um, actually shout out to my good buddy, Sean Elliott down here. He had brought over a stack of discs and he was like stencil away, man. Like just have your hand at it and made some very, very bad stencils yeah. and <laughs> learned quite a bit. Um, but yeah, it's like, I bet I've stenciled 400 discs Jeez. since then. So. That's crazy. Well, uh, I guess mm-hmm. you're pretty sadistic to take that much time to do that many stencils, but it's yes. still fun. <laughs> uh, it is. What vinyl do you currently like slash use? Ooh, the Oracle, I believe it's a 651. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm a firm believer. Um, don't fix what isn't broken. Yeah. So if somebody's got something that works, it's like, did my research, bought it. And I was like, this works very well. And I have not had issues with it. Um, do you have the, uh, glossy or matte finish? Uh, glossy okay. currently. I've actually, I've never played around with the matte. Um, the glossy has worked very well for me. Um, I'm actually, I'd be curious to hear the pros and cons of the matte. Okay. Before I tell you that, um, from, from, from my experience, what color do you use? white okay well um i guess you're okay uh so i use matte black in my experience um i tested a, a variety of different vinyls but i personally like the oracle 651 matte black uh because mm-hmm. i feel like the matte is more malleable that's a fun word to say uh mm-hmm. and the gloss is um, a little bit more stiff um, from my yep. experience um, so it's easier to kind of contour on domey or discs and it's a little bit more forgiving Gotcha. And gotcha. I, that makes sense. And I like black because it gives me a point of reference to see how black the stencil is. Oh, I was gonna say I was gonna say the exact opposite. <laughs> I like the white because it gives me uh opportunity to see how much dye has been absorbed. Yes. And I've got a very like <laughs> trained eye for I, I can like look yeah. just at the vinyl and say like the disc needs a little bit more time. Mm. And the other, That's so interesting. The other reason why I like matte black or black in general is so I can actually see where I weeded because I usually have a white disc. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is one downside of the white. I would, would agree with that. All right. Well, I'm going to convert you. Even though yours works, we're going to change. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm down. I've got, I probably, I'm looking at my stack, actually. That's what I keep looking over at. Yeah. And I've got, I've probably got a half a pack, probably 20, 20-ish um, sheets of laminate left. Um, and actually, that, that brings up a good point. I tried the roll. Yeah. Never, no. never again. <laughs> never again. You know, just a few cents extra per sheet is totally worth getting the 12 by 12 sheets. Yeah, I, I'm all for, you know, economies of scale and stuff. But when it comes to that, yeah. it was a no-brainer. Once I had one sheet, I was like, this is, I will never go back. I will never fight the curvature of that roll. Yes. <laughs> nope, totally agree with no. that. Um, mm-hmm. Well, more, more sensible questions. What transfer paper do you use or tape? Um, I've got a 3M tape. I don't have it up here. I was just looking for it. Um, but I've got the medium stick that I do find is a little bit too sticky almost at first. Um, but I'd per, I err to be on the too sticky side, but I use a six inch wide, um, basically two strips to cover a full disc sort of, sort of transfer tape. Um, yeah. And I buy it by the, I want to say 50 foot roll. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's basically painter's tape that's six inches wide. Yeah. Uh, I have something similar. I forget the exact name of it, but it is, um, like that, but it's 12 inches wide. 
Um, mm-hmm. So the million dollar question: mm-hmm. Do you lay <clears throat> do you lay the vinyl on top of the disc when you put, apply the stencil, or do you put the disc on top of the vinyl? Vinyl on top of the disc all day, every day. Okay, you. I like you. <laughs> <laughs> all day, every day, all day. I I tried the alternative once. Um, <laughs> I think I could figure it out, but I will say that it, I think it is much tougher. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it depends on the disc as well. So I do prefer the vinyl going down on top of the disc. Mm-hmm. But there's instances where um, doing it the other way does make sense. Um, like if I. For sure, want it centered, and it's a domey disc. That's really the only time I would do that. Really? Yeah. I actually find domey discs to be almost easier to lay. We'll say it's if a if it's a less intricate stencil, I find it fairly easy to to lay it down. Yeah. No. I I guess it would be if I really really want it centered, and I can't find the center on the top of the disc for whatever reason. So it's mm-hmm. very very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you center your stencils so i actually came up i was always proud of this one and i think it's common knowledge now but i have got a laser jig um i was working on a workbench that was under basically next to a staircase and i had just a long piece of wood sticking out drilled a hole through it and stuck a cat laser pointer through it and so i stole the cat toy and stuck it through and i was like yeah this is this is a no-brainer um tried to stencil a few of them using basically like a light underneath the disc and trying to Mm -hmm. use that and it was like now I've got it to where my template in uh, the Silhouette Studio program is set up with just a dot in the middle, and my machine's got a pen. It just draws a circle right in the middle. It comes out. I sharpie that circle, just a little dot in the middle, and when I peel everything off, I also uh, sharpie the vinyl, or the, sorry, the transfer tape, and then center the disc underneath and just drop it straight down on. Yeah. And it's, I would say, I can get within a probably an eighth inch every time. Mm-hmm. So Nice. Yeah, definitely an art form to... Uh center stencil on the disc and if it's like the design is really close to the edge and it's just like slightly off i have to redo it <laughs> yep it's just it's a good no one's gonna notice that but it's gonna annoy me yep yeah and there is nothing worse than having to tear off an intricate stencil and have <laughs> oh, to put it back on i think i did one three times that was not fun <laughs> oh you're you're uh, more patient than i i have never done one more than twice i actually gave up on a disc one time <laughs> i messed it up twice and i was like that's that's it i'm i'm done nice um i'm assuming you weed on the disc correct yes yep i weed on the disc and uh, what tools do you like to use i've actually got the um cricket tool set okay. and i basically have like a little point of uh pointy tweezers um and that that pretty much covers it that's about the only tool that i use um, essentially little tweezers and just hook it in there and pull it off. And I've always had good luck with it. Mm. The biggest thing that I pay attention to is just temperature that I'm working with. Um, depending on, you know, sometimes I'm, if I'm in the garage or if I'm in the basement and it's a little bit chilly, mm. I like to have a, like a warmer, uh, pan of water and I don't let the vinyl get too cold because I find that I'll just rip right through it. Yeah. But if it's a little bit warm, a little bit malleable, I can get it underneath and like, it's a little bit stretchy, a little bit easier to work with. Uh, but outside of that, it's like I tried a regular pair of tweezers for a while, didn't find it very helpful. And it's just like that little, like almost like a hook, a little sharp hook, poke it through and pull it up. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've had no issues with that. Yeah, I've been really loving these really um, fine point tweezers uh, that mm-hmm. I got. Um, I use that in conjunction with the Cricut weeding tool uh, and kind of double fist it if it gets like difficult and sticky and stuck on there. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how do you get your color for the black lines? the stencils yeah i have a 
a concoction of <laughs> black dyes. It is, it's a mix between some Prochem black, um, a lot of eye dye poly in there. And that's probably what gets recycled in there the most as I need more. Um, and I had, I think I had two different Prochem blacks in there, like dark dungeon and, um, maybe Onyx was in there and it's a jar that's been reused for a year and a half now. <laughs> and it just gets topped off with eye dye black and some water when it, uh, when it gets thrown out. But I try to batch all my stencils. Mm-hmm. So when I do stencils, it's like, if I'm doing stencils, it's like, we're doing, you know, 10, 15, 20 of them yeah. at a time. Uh, the stuff sits out on the stove for two or three days. So shout out to Nicole for <laughs> letting that happen. <laughs> uh, but, but when it happens, it, it goes down and basically just try to get everything back into the jar that I can. And then the next time, if I find out or realize that I need more black in the dye or I'm not getting quick enough saturation, I throw another packet of eye dye in there and be done with it. Yeah, you can't get any more black than all of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, you really can't. And, I, you know, I tried the Pro Chem stuff for quite a while and then everybody was swearing up and down about uh, eye dye. And uh, I couldn't find it at a couple local stores, actually, mm. which was, I was hoping to get. And I ended up getting some off Amazon. And, um, again, it's one of those things where, like, now it works. I think I've ordered it two or three times. But I, there's a, there's got to be a little bit of Pro Chem left in that, that <laughs> jar because that jar is old. That is very, very old. Oh, man, uh, props to you for... Um like taking out of the jar and putting it in the jar. And obviously that's why you batch it. So you don't have to do that all the time. Um, mm-hmm. Have you had any accidents transferring the liquid? Knock on wood. I have not had anything crazy. I have had, I have had minor spills. I have had spills on the black stove top. We have like a flat top stove in the rental and we live in a rental too. So keep that in mind. Yes. It's like we've lived in a few. So I'm, I'm very cautious. Um, but I have carried that pan so carefully over to the sink <laughs> and I have, I've made a decent mess on the floor and got it immediately cleaned up, but I have never like not, at least not there. I've done it on my workbench, but I've not done it in the kitchen, just like blasted black all over. So knock on wood on that one. Cause I've had a few scares, but yeah, no, that, uh, that's very dangerous. And I've uh, transitioned to denatured alcohol and painting it on because uh, the big vat of dye, I don't trust myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, unless, yeah. Unless I'm doing like larger areas of black, then I'll do the hot dipping. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Dangerous. I've actually, I've thought about getting a, like a hot pad for a while or like a, like a little single burner stove yep. for like the basement and doing that route. The only downside for that is not having the sink. Cause I use back and forth, back and forth. And so, I'm like, oh man, it'd be nice to have like a slop sink and have, you know, a little single burner and just run it down there and I can run it off, you know, off the wall outlet. I, I go back and forth on it. I'm like, the stove works so well and I've got the stove dialed. I know exactly where it needs to be to be the temperature I need and stuff. And I've got multiple burners because, uh, well, that's another little secret is I love to have a pan of just hot water and a pan of just the um, dark stencil water mm-hmm. and disc goes in heat the disc up in the clear water and then back and forth as i need to um so i think i think it's much easier on the stove but the risk of spilling is there it is there yeah that uh answers one of my questions is i was going to ask you if you use heat to seal the vinyl so there's no bleeds 100 percent. that is once i learned that bleeds went away it was i I was getting minor bleeds here and there um kind of like we're talking on the domier discs occasionally Mm -hmm. get a few um, but yeah, once you get some heat in there, it's like, it was a no brainer. And actually I would say that I'd be curious to work with the mat under heat, yeah. the mat vinyl under heat. Cause that glossy stuff, once it heats up, it is, it is stretchy. Like it is, you can really, really work out some creases. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've also, um, gotten accustomed to like looking for them, identifying an area. It's like, if it might bleed, I'd cover it, just like snip a corner off and cover it up. And it's like, 
I'm not not gonna mess with the bleed. I've had bleeds just absolutely wreck stencils, and it's not something I like to mess with. Yeah. Um, have you noticed any disc manufacturers that have really embossed stamps? Innova's got some runs occasionally. Innova and their inconsistency, I would say. They've mm. got a couple. I'm actually looking at a couple on my shelf right now. I would say it depends on the plastic. Um, some color glow stuff that I've done, I always find that the stamps are a little bit deeper mm. than, like, say, the star stuff. Um, frankly, I die quite a bit of MVP stuff, um, and I really like their stuff. The glitch, I will say, though, I've had some issues with some of the glitches. Um, some of the, they've had some deeper, um, stamps on there. Um, but I'm trying to think, I think it's mainly, it's like older plastic that is really, really deep stamps. Hmm. Uh, but I, uh, it's off the top of my head. I, I, other than some like old Innova stuff and it was like tournament stamp stuff that I can, that's coming to mind. Yeah. That was like, really like I struggled with it. It was like, man, it's, I'm just going to have to do an acetone bath mm. on this whole disc to get that stuff out. Yeah. Speaking of the glitch, have you had any issues with warping or deformation with any of your prospects, especially with heat? Um, only once. And actually, I, I saved the disc, but this guy, um, I cooked him. I <laughs> totally, totally cooked this thing. I put it on the stove. Um, stove was at, it was, I don't know, 130, 140. Put the disc in, went and played a few games of Rocket League, and I came back and I looked and it was steaming. And it, that, that thing was like, it was tacoed. And I was like, oh. And I remember I picked it up and it was like, bleh. it was just, it was gummy. And I was like, oh man, that's not good. Um, but outside of that, I've never, never like fully cooked a disc. I, I've been pretty cautious about it. Um, I used heat quite a bit for glue beds and for, for cell beds and stuff like that. Mm. And I've, um, I've got a, um, on off for the temperature. So I've got a temperature sensor on there and it's, it's on a PNID and it, it runs very smooth. Nice. Um, but yeah, I've, outside of a hot dip, just totally toasting one, that's one and done. And that was very recent. Actually, that was just a few weeks ago. So never melted one, knock on wood. <laughs> that's good. Question for you in your experience mm -hmm. for a disc that you've used for a while, then you dyed it with like a pretty good amount of heat. Have you noticed any change in the flight characteristics? So I've never pulled anything out of the bag personally that's been in there for a long time that I like really knew the disc and dyed it mm -hmm. and then noticed you had it back and forth. I've had friends tell me like, yeah, this disc is a little more stable than it used to be. And it's, I'm like, okay, like I, you know, it would make sense. I could see how, you know, you could, you could definitely flatten a disc or you could, you know, deform it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then I've also had the opposite side where people are like, Oh, disc dying just destroys disc. It ruins discs. It'll never fly the same. I'm like, ah, well, that's not really true. But <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of torn on it. I'm like, I haven't experienced it firsthand. So I am like, I don't want to say I'm skeptical, but I'm like, I, I don't know if it's as big of an issue as I've heard some people make it to be, mm -hmm. but I can definitely, I mean, you are heating the hell out of a disc and I can see how that could, you could destroy a disc that way. Yeah. My theory is it stables the disc. The reason for that, um, for example, if you're like really any heat, say you have a really domey disc, you heat it up and the dome goes down. So that effectively mm -hmm. changes the parting line of the disc, which lower makes the parting line higher. So that would make it more stable. Yeah. Um, that's a theory. A lot of people have said that. I want to test that to see do dyed discs make them more stable. So, for example, you have a really beaten use this that is understable from you know when it was factory if you die it again 
will it make it stable or the way it used to fly? Yeah. And you'd almost have to, you know, this gets into like experimentation because yeah. I, w- I would be really curious to take a disc, heat it under the same parameters, mm-hmm. not diet, take another one, diet under the same heat parameters. And then, and basically like run like a whole set of experiments with this and say like, Hey, you know, you've got to know where they started at flippiness wise. Yeah. You've got to know where they finished at. Um, now, now we're getting into like a full <laughs> design of an experiment, which I would love to take part in. But the hard part is how do you quantify the flippiness of a disc? Yeah. Unless you have a machine that can accurately mm-hmm. reproduce it every time, it's going to be a little subjective. Yep. But <laughs> I want to start the detectives and that is one of the things that i want to do <laughs> i like that yes i like the idea that i i would love to get involved with something like that because i am also curious and i'm i'm actually i wouldn't say new to flippy discs but i'm like i've finally come around to throwing flippy discs and i'm like if i can't throw flippy discs after i die them that's going to be an issue yes. <laughs> so right on okay so stenciling all the way uh, yep. Let's go to your beds. What method do you like to use for your beds? Currently, um, and I would say actually within the last probably six-ish months, it's almost, I would say 90% glue beds, clear glue beds. Um, I find that they are the easiest. Um, they're actually the cheapest for me, and I think that they they allow a lot of freedom, and there's a lot of style opportunity on them. Um, and frankly, I got really, really pissed off at cell dice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I about destroyed myself trying to figure out this cell dice. And I've run so many discs and spent so much time trying to figure out cells. And I think the process is so cool. But I'm like, I'm going to let the pros have that one. Yeah. Like, they are killing the cell game. And I, like, you know, the, the amount of research I've done on it, the amount of trial and error that I've had, I've had a few really, really stellar discs come out. And I've had so many more bad ones. So, so glue beds, I knock on wood, don't fuck many of those up. So it's like run with what works. They look cool and I can get really get some cool colors out of them. So just run with it and yeah. And let it be. I feel like the clear glue beds are the um, easiest way to get a good looking result consistently uh, and fast without not a whole lot of trouble. And uh, the classes that we were teaching, I do clear or we do clear glue beds because it is so easy and you get good results. Um, you know, people that never died a disc, they were getting like, we were impressed of like what they were getting for the results. Yep. So, um, yes. Also, I have the same struggles with flow troll. Um, yeah, I hate it. It's a bitch. <laughs> it is a bitch. It is, it is really an art. I really yeah. have seen some of the coolest discs come out of some flow troll beds. And I have seen the worst discs come out of flow troll beds. I have seen brown muddled garbage mm-hmm. come out of flow troll beds. And actually my buddy Sean, I'd mentioned earlier, he gave me a disc the other day. We were going through his disc collection and he was like, Hey, do you remember this one? And he hands me a DDX. And I just looked at it. And I started laughing. I'm like, this is a muddled piece of garbage. <laughs> like, I cannot believe I died this and gave it back to you. That should have been like, mm-hmm. sorry, dude, the disc got destroyed and it's, it's gone forever. <laughs> nice. Um, so what do you use for your dye mixtures for your clear glue beds? Uh, currently it's, uh, acetone. Um, I've got two ounce bottles, um, of just pre-mixed colors, uh, Procam and acetone. Um, some of them had some hot water to like, we'll say activate, um, the dye mm-hmm. when I made the mixture. Um, but yeah, just acetone and Procam, drop it on there and make your design. That's really, like you say, it is, it's simple. It is stupid simple. Yeah. What are your favorite, uh, colors currently? 
Currently, so I'm a big fan of reds, pinks, blues, purples. That's kind of my color palette mm-hmm. that I, I really like to stick to. Um, even in my like, my bag, that's the majority of the colors I dive, or yeah, bag, I should say. Um, but yeah, I would say the um, fluorescent pink is very good. The neon royal purple, I really like. The lilac, I really like. Um, lavender, I played around with a little bit. Um, and Caribbean blue. Caribbean blue, I probably have, I have so much Caribbean. <laughs> um have you had any issues with uh, one of the, the pinks? It was the neon Cersei pink or the fluorescent pink. I feel like I had. I think it was the yeah Cersei. I think yeah, it's like it wouldn't issues. Take. <clears throat> yeah, it wouldn't take. I've actually got a concoction um, of pinks mixed together, and it's just labeled pink. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had it for quite some time, and I I initially mixed it for spin dyes, and now it's like it's just pink and I just had some acetone when I need it. And that's it. So oh. It's like, I probably should figure out what's in there. Oh, what is, what is that like yeast that has been used for generations for uh, sourdough or whatever? So yeah, sourdough, sourdough. Yeah. You don't know what similar. it is and you can never recreate it. You just kind of keep adding to it. Yep. You just, it's very, yeah, it's like my black concoction for stencils. It's like the pink and the black. It's like, wow. Like just run with it and just let it be yeah. like, don't ask questions. Nice. Oh. Um, so you use heat for clear glue, right? Um, sometimes currently, no, I'm not actually, because we moved recently within Mm -hmm. Durham. Um, and I had a good setup for my heat. I had a, um, grow light that I was using for heat with temperature probe and everything. It was set up really, really well. I could do three or four discs at a time. Um, we moved and I just haven't had the, had the motivation to set up the heat yet. Um, and I said, I really set up more for the flow trail beds more than anything. Mm. Um, and with the glue, I would say you can get pretty damn good results without heat. It just takes longer. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know. I feel like I haven't had the need. I would, if it was set up, I would use it, but motivation will come someday. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I would highly recommend using heat and I'd highly recommend getting a dehydrator. Um, mm-hmm. basically when we we're doing those classes, the person could get their disc within an hour. So we let it sit within for 45 wow. minutes. That's it. Really? Yeah. And it's like wow, I... perfect saturation, really saturated, really vibrant. And, um, yeah. Wow. 45 minutes. Okay. And at like 130, 140 degrees or how hot? Uh, uh, the disc roughly is about 125 degrees. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Yes. 45 minutes. So that is, that was actually one of my biggest, like, kind of like, are you sure <laughs> of disc dying? When I first got into it and people were like 24 hours, I'm like, 24 is a very convenient number mm-hmm. and that seems like a really long time <laughs> and mm-hmm. messed around with a little bit with like some shorter times, but I've never gone as short as 45 minutes. Yeah. No, did some experimentation because we were trying to find like, okay, what's the quickest turnaround that we can get for these classes to get the people their disc the same day. Um, yep. and 45 minutes seems to be the sweet spot. Um, if you want less saturation, you can do less. Um, more than that really doesn't make a huge difference. Interesting. Okay. That, that is good knowledge to have the motivation to set up that light is there. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's like, everybody's been telling people like, okay, 12 hours, you can do that. But has anybody really tested short amounts of time? So yeah. Interesting. You know, that is good to know. And it's, that's funny too, because when I was doing a lot of heat, um, in our previous place, I was constantly like, I was always hyper aware of leaving that light on overnight. Yeah. I, it's like, I had it set up on a wood bench and it was basically surrounded by wood. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's an led light. 
it doesn't get that hot, but it gets hot. Like it is, I mean, it's hot enough. Like the, the controller is hot to the touch. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I refuse, I was always like timing it around when I was going to go to bed and it was like, the lights got to shut off and discs can sit overnight sort of deal. 45 minutes, man. That's a, that is a game changer. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it really is. Um, so like I said, disc gets about 125 degrees, give or take. Um, and I've been really loving the dehydrator because it is so consistent and even heating. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and there is a timer on there. If you do fall asleep, it will shut off. Oh, that's nice. That is nice. Yeah. No, yeah. Dehydrator. So I saw people mess around with dehydrators for cell beds as well. Yeah. And I was like, man, that would be nice. And there's some other like, you know, food stuff and then just other crafts that's like having a dehydrator would be really nice. But yeah. Although I wouldn't really recommend mixing, um, your dye stuff, then making some beef jerky just in case there's some chemicals, but Hey, you do you. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> So that's yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, for I'm still, again, still working on the full troll stuff. I'm like, I'm done. I give up clear glue. It is. Yes, yeah. I've, I'm ready to get my flow troll away. I've got two gallons of it and I'm like, man, somebody wants to take it. Have it. Yeah. Um, uh, so for your coloring in, how do you do that? Oh, that is actually, that leads into my, my weakness of dyes. Um, so currently it's typically, I'm just using the same stuff that I, uh, put on to glue beds. So the acetone mixture, mm-hmm. um, I've got a couple colors that are mixed with denatured alcohol for like some specific jobs that I had done. Um, but a lot of it's like Q-tips, cotton swabs, paper towel, you know, coloring stuff in, and you get a little bit of a texture to it that I don't like. Um, I did quite a bit of lotion painting for a while, found that to be mm, less than fun, <laughs> we'll say. Um, and made a few mistakes with that. And that is like the part of my dying game that I'm like, I need to figure out a better method that is consistent, that works for me, that I can enjoy because with the style that I like doing, it's like, you've got to be able to hand paint well, Mm -hmm. and it's got to be like consistent coverage and stuff with it. And like, I don't love a lot of texture. I like very solid, just even color. Yeah. And the acetone hand painting can work sometimes, but it's, the, the alcohol, the, the denatured alcohol painting works quite a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm impatient. <laughs> so, yeah, so. I, um, did some painting with acetone and denatured and, you know, sometimes it works out good if you want like that textured effect. Um, mm-hmm. for example, I, I did like a cartoon character, you know, the muscles and I brushed with where the muscles would be. So it looked like actual muscles. Um, yep. but yeah, I, if I want large coverage of solid, even color, I typically do lotion. Lotion, yeah. yeah. And is there a specific lotion that you're using? I I honestly haven't been doing it a whole lot. Um, I just have the dollar stuff. I do have some Queen Helene's. haven't mm-hmm. used that yet, so um, can't give any really good advice on that. Um, but, again, heat is your friend, and don't let it dry out. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so there is that, uh, what is your favorite dye accessory that you couldn't live without? Oh, I couldn't live without the record player. Yeah. Spin dies. It's I've cleaned up so many like less than perfect dies (laughs) with, with the spin dye. And I think that it is the most versatile. Mm-hmm. as far as like accessories go. Um, and actually funny story about buying that is I, I had looked on Facebook marketplace. I was like looking for a specific, you know, I didn't want something with a rubber band to drive it. I wanted a direct drive spin player, found a guy who was selling one for like 30 bucks. And so I meet up with him in Chapel Hill and he's like chatting with me. He's like, Oh, what kind of vinyls do you have and stuff? And I'm like, <laughs> 
I, I respect records. I would like, it's cool. You know, I've got friends that are into it. I don't own a single record. Like I don't own any vinyl. This is for a like niche hobby. And I start talking to him about it. He's like, you are the second guy to buy a record player for disc dying huh. from me. And I was like, <laughs> how many do you sell? He's like, I've sold like four of them ever. And I was like, Oh, that's crazy. Like, and so I think another local dyer must've hit him up and bought one. Um, but yeah, ever since that thing, I was like, man, the amount of cool dyes you can do with that. Like you can do some really simple, but really, really effective dyes with a record player. Mm -hmm. And I think just about every disc I die these days, it's like, I, I almost think it back like the last 20 dies that I've done have the record player involved some way, somehow. And I use it a lot for just even putting the bed on there and being able to spin it around and, and having the freedom of that. Obviously, spin dying, cleaning up the edges and stuff. It's like I can't live without that thing. Yeah, no, it definitely, the spin dying adds a frame and finishes the piece. Makes it look finished. Yep. I would agree. I would agree. And there's a lot of dies that I have where it's like that's not complete until it has that. So. <laughs> yes. Um, do you do like any glue masking uh, stuff with spin dying at all? Um, not so much with spin dyeing. I have done some with the glue beds specifically. I've done, I tried one with the um, spin dyeing, like just a basically full disc spin dye with a glue mask. Mm. And I think the vinyl would work better for that. Um, haven't gotten around to trying it. Just haven't really um, dabbled in that space. Um, but I do a little bit of glue masking here and there. Started off with some wood glue, destroyed some stamps. Um, have gone now to white Elmer's glue. And then actually for like simple stuff, if it's a really simple coverage, just a like not some crazy intricate space, I usually just take vinyl and cut it out, fit the shape and slap the vinyl on there and then throw it in the glue bed. Right. Um, be careful with spin dyeing and vinyl and acetone. Ask me uh, how I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> uh, I was like really spin dyeing um, a stencil and it's like, it's starting to get really rubbery and falling apart. Why? You're like, what the heck? Why is it all sticky everywhere? <laughs> yeah. Well, acetone is vinyl. So there's that. Yes. <laughs> um, what inspires your creations and like where do you get your ideas for your discs it's kind of funny you ask actually so it's it's twofold the backgrounds of any like dyed discs with the the character in the middle and the background the backgrounds come from basically online whether it's instagram whether it's reddit whether it's facebook it's like seeing other people's i'm like i want to do that i want to do exactly like that i want to do it better than that and it's like that is there's so much inspiration there but the, the characters is typically, it's almost always somebody else's idea. Somebody's like, hey, I want Bulbasaur on a disc. Or, hey, I want this crazy like logo on my disc. And I'm like, yeah, let's let's do it. And bounce some ideas back and forth. And like graphic art and like computer design has never been my strong suit. And it's still probably one of my biggest struggles is trying to get someone's like, I've got this crazy idea. I want to like morph this logo into this logo. And, and I'm like find me a Google PNG and I like, I will put that logo on your disc. I can make that turn out, but yeah. creating something and putting it on there is a whole different story. But I think, yeah. So I guess to answer the question, so backgrounds, other people's work and some creativity based on that. And then, yeah, the characters, it's almost always working with whoever wants the disc. And it's like, tell me what you want. Like, tell me a little bit about it. Tell me the colors you want, the rough design you want. And then from there, it's just like, you just kind of get in the mad scientist realm and it's like here we go and it's like dive in and let's see what we can do what's um software or programs do you use to manipulate and create your stencils uh admittedly um studio is about the only thing that i'm currently using so i've struggled with that for probably about two years now um mm. it's i've got it figured out probably about as best i could figure it out i 
would highly benefit from learning some other softwares as far as uh, manipulating and, and designing stuff in that free space. Um, and I've always told myself that it's like someday I would like to get an iPad and be able to like freehand draw digitally and stuff. Mm -hmm. It just hasn't, hasn't happened yet, but it's like, there's a lot of opportunity to, to start doing custom stuff and, and getting into that space of like, somebody has a very, very like broad idea and they want a few back and forths and basically design stuff for them. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's big opportunity there. Yeah. So I do graphic design for a living and I use Adobe products, but that's paid. I want to learn some free stuff so I can actually help people out that don't want to pay for Adobe, which definitely don't blame them for that. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, uh, I guess being a graphic designer helps me because I can manipulate whatever I need to do. But uh, yeah, I definitely want to create some tutorials for that. Um, I recently did find a really good website that vectorizes images like the best I've ever seen. Oh, um, really? It is vectorize.ai. Basically uses oh. AI to create the vectors. So I'm like, this, this is impressive. So yeah, that's that's a big hit too. Because there's a lot of stuff where it's like I've gotten really good at tracing stuff in uh, Studio, which mm. is it's kind of a what a what a thing to brag about. <laughs> um, but it it would be very helpful for some images. Like there's some stuff you can only find one or two of on online. And it's like, somebody's like, ah, oh, I need that exact logo from 1992. And you're like, dude, I need a better image. I can't do anything with that. Uh -huh. And it's like, yeah, I've, I've done ones where the, the logo was like so small. I used mm -hmm. a AI program to upscale it four times to make it larger. Then I took it into that vectorize AI to vectorize it. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that. I like that. One second. Yep. One second. What's up, cat? <laughs> Sorry about that. No. Um, <laughs> but even not knowing software, don't let that intimidate you to not do stencils because, you know, mm -hmm. you can always learn to do that. And in general, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. So might as well get them out of the way. Yep. I agree. And it's, I've always said you can't really skip the learning curve. So it's like, yeah. At some point, you just have to face it. It's it's there's a mindset to get into to to get into that moment of like we're gonna sit down and learn. Yeah. And I've always told myself like don't rush through those learning curves because that is where you learn the most. And if you're trying to skip through that, you're gonna you're gonna blast past all the stuff you need to know. Yes, and it's how you learn is by making mistakes. Yep, I would agree. Uh, what is the easiest part of disc dying, and what is the hardest part? the easiest part easiest part for me is it's i would say getting into the mental space where i'm like i'm going to sit down and die discs that you know, honestly the easiest thing is to just keep going it's like i do one disc i do two discs i do three discs it's like i can lose track of time so fast when i am in that like zen mode of like we are going and i'm like everything's clicking and we're, we're moving along and i've got everything set up to just hammer out some discs so from that point, it's just like being in that creative mode and just like, I'm ready for the next one. I'm ready for the next one. I think, um, I think that's the easiest part. And then the hardest part I would say is sometimes finding the motivation to like do the stuff I don't like doing hand painting, for example, it's like I'll stencil like stenciling. It's, I mean, I can do it. I'm good at it. I don't think, I think I've kind of mastered it. And so it's like, it can be tedious. Um, but I do that and I'm like, okay, let's do some backgrounds. Backgrounds are always exciting for me because there's that like impatient piece of like i do a really cool bed i lay down a disc and i'm like oh it's gonna be so cool i can't wait to see it and then hand painting i'm like i know what i want i can never get exactly what i want so i just have to accept that my least favorite part of the disc is the last part of the disc 
and so so getting in the mental space to like hand dye a bunch of stuff or like hand paint a bunch of stuff and and really finish the disc can be really tough um, but i think that actually one of the other hardest pieces of dyeing discs is um to like appreciate it for what it is and like and really um not sell yourself short on the art that goes behind it um, i've had difficulty with that with people and people are like 40 dollars for a dyed disc and i'm like dude, it's some artwork. Like not only did money go into this, but like time and creativity and like having that conversation sometimes has been really tough for me where it's like, Hey man, like I understand that it's just a $20 piece of plastic, but at the end of the day, like I put three hours into this thing, three, four hours. And like, no, I'm not going to take your used beat up rock for this disc. <laughs> like, sorry. Like I like this disc is valuable. So I, I, I think that actually to answer that question in full and in its entirety, the hardest part is like self-promotion, mm. I think. Yeah. No, I don't know why there is that paradigm of um, people don't want to pay um, like fair value for artwork, basically. Um, mm. You know, your time, materials, and the most important thing, your experience and expertise of actually doing it. Um, like there's these artists that do canvases that just throw some paint on there that go for thousands of dollars. Like, mm. what? The only thing that I can think of is one disc golfers are cheap. Hmm, true. Um, yep. <laughs> and it is art that doesn't necessarily last forever because it does fade and it is uh, utilitarian artwork, I guess, because it is being used. Um, yep. But it is art at the end of the day. So I don't know how to uh, shift that paradigm to make sure people get what they're artwork is worth so yeah yeah i've i've struggled in that space a little bit mentally where it's like there is that piece of it and like you said it's like there's artists that are like their artwork goes for thousands of dollars you know but in that same space there's thousands of people saying that art should not be worth that much money yeah and so i'm like those aren't the people i sell to yeah. and it's like it's kind of like i accept that you feel that way but it's i get it but it's not for you and it's that's cool you don't have to like love what I do, but I love it. And I think it's really cool. Mm -hmm. And there are people that love it. And those are the people I want to sell to. Yeah. And those are the people that I want to die discs for. And those are the people that are happy when I die their discs. Yeah, so. no, that is absolutely. And, um, there will be a market for, well, the higher price die discs. It may be a little bit smaller, but, um, again, I do uh, graphic design and I've, and basically anything creative, cheap clients are difficult to work with. The people that are willing to pay the money, they're like super easy to work with. So yep. I find that very yep. fascinating. Yep. I found the same too. And it's, I think the people that are excited about it, sometimes a price tag, just it, it's part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, Hey, like I'm getting a, I'm paying for an experience to get a disc dyed. I'm getting a cool piece of artwork out of it. Whatever it is, it is, mm -hmm. you know, it's not, I'm not asking $200 for a disc. I'm asking for 40 or 50 bucks for something that was already 20 bucks. So it's like, if you're not willing to pay 15 bucks for my, my art, I respect it, but I'm not going to die this for you. Yes. So. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, like how often do you die discs and like what time of the day do you like to die your discs? I would say right now. So I've actually kind of been in a lull ever since we moved. Um, it was probably, we moved in July. It would have been, um, and we've traveled quite a bit back and forth. So I've been dying less and less and less recently. Um, and when I do die, I die more batch style than I used to, um, more, you know, five, 10, 15 at a time. 
Um, but I would say probably once a week right now. Currently, it used to be probably three, four times a week I was doing at least something disc die related. Um, but yeah, it's I find myself doing more of the batch production, and I I like to do it personally. I like to do it in the morning, um, just because I know that it's like I have the time to do it, um, and I at least currently. <laughs> um, previously, it was like I would get off work and it was like sit down, relax for an hour or two, and then it's like I'm gonna go die discs, and then I'd find myself up till two in the morning, <laughs> and it's like I gotta get up at six. I can't be up till two in the morning. Yeah. Um, but but if I have all the time in the world, um, like I currently do, it's like I would prefer to start. You know, have a cup of coffee sit down and think about some stuff, go die some discs and, and have at it and then be on with the day. And especially with, with that break in between discs or what used to be a break. Now that I find out it can be 45 minutes, (laughs) it'd be like, I could go play around, come back, pull some discs out or be in between stuff like that. So. Right on. I like working at night because there is technically no limit of when you can or have to stop. It just turns into morning. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That is fair. That is fair. I have, Found myself sleepy at work many, many times due to, due to disc dying. It's not really a good <laughs> habit, but hey. <laughs> um, are there any things that you would like to improve upon your craft or, or learn or do differently? Yeah, so I think hand painting, again, I think is is one of the big ones. Like So filling in like solid pieces of color mm-hmm. um, within some characters and stuff, I think that is, um, I think I could improve on it very easily. Quite frankly, I've been stubborn on it. Like I know what it takes. I need to buy a couple more pieces of equipment, some more bottles and such, organize them well. Um, and I, I could be running to the races with that one. And then the other piece is just the, the social media piece of it. I've never been a big social media person. And actually, thank, thank the Lord, Nicole runs um, almost all, like 99% of the social media stuff. And she does a very, very good job with that. Um, and so big, big shout out to her on that. But I really despise doing anything social media. And so it's like, I actually almost prefer to sell to people online. I think that they're easier customers than the in-person customers. Mm. And I would prefer to um, not avoid the face-to-face, but I think it's just easier to do it and ship a disc out and be done with it. Yeah. Um, but from that, yeah. So that standpoint, like the social media thing, I would love if it was like taken off and like doing its big thing, but like, I don't have the wherewithal to do that. I really don't have the ambition to run an account. Uh, yeah. I feel like... A lot of people do this, don't realize they're, you know, you just not necessarily, but to be successful, it's more than just the art. You're basically running a business and you're a content creator and you have to do everything that's related to that. Not just the fun dying. You have to do all that other crap to be somewhat successful. Um, But that's awesome that Nicole is um, helping you with that. Also, does she die any discs? (laughs) <laughs> she actually she's died a handful um i don't want to say i'm salty but the moment she died a disc i actually have the first disc she ever died uh every time i look at it i'm like i wish every disc i died was that good because <laughs> she's batting a thousand and it was a simple clear glue bed yeah um uh, and she still bags it it's a very very stable t-bird uh but here it is and it was the first one she ever did in like the amount of wows that it got <laughs> compared to the discs that I was dying was like, well, maybe you shouldn't die any more discs, Nicole. <laughs> so, so I think I think it's hilarious, but very very infrequently. I think she's died maybe maybe three or four, but she's batting a thousand on died discs, and so I'm like, maybe we just keep it at that. But uh, she enjoys essentially like it'd be like if she went to one of your classes. It's like the beds there, mm-hmm. the colors are there. She drops them in, swirls them. I'll put the disc down. That's it. It's like she enjoys the creative piece of that. Yeah. 
And so I love that for her because I'm like, you, she gets to bag that disc and it's a very good disc for her. It fits her bag very well. And the colors, she loves the colors. And I'm like, show the, show that one off like crazy because I, I wish that all mine could turn out that good. <laughs> nice. Well, you're not jealous or anything. So <laughs> <laughs> you just slowly take it. I did this. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like yeah, I, I spun dyed the, on the back of it on the rim because I was like, I, I did a piece of that, like a little bit of it was me. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> nice. Uh, if you had to start this dying over, is there anything that you would do differently, knowing what you know now? Yeah, I would say I kind of fall into this category in almost all the hobbies I've ever gotten into. Is like don't fuck around when you start. Like if you're going to do it, like do it, like jump in, like get the supplies, get the material, get the right stuff, you know, accept that you're going to burn through a bunch of discs. They're going to look like crap and like, and do your research. Like I did a lot of research, but there's a lot of areas where I was like, I could figure that out. And it's like, you end up with bleeds, you end up with, you know, colors that just do not mix that just total muddle into Brown. And so I would say specifically, if I were to do it again, get bottles for your colors like i was always mixing colors of powder dye into little dishes and like mixing with acetone using them on the spot they would dry out and then i would never have that color again next time i had to do it i had to mix the colors and so like doing that like 50 times eventually it's like why wouldn't i just spend a dollar on a freaking bottle and just go back at it and just dye the discs and so i think it's kind of like the don't fuck around like just if you're gonna do it do it like spend the extra couple bucks and, and set yourself up to be successful if it's something that you really want to do. Um, but I do think, I think especially a, a hobby like this dying, I don't think anybody goes into it and is like, I'm going to be the guy that locally that dies all the discs for everybody. It's like, everybody's like, I'm just going to take a stab at it and see what it is mm-hmm. and kind of see how it goes and see if, you know, see if it's fun. And then one or two of them turn out cool. And then you want to do one or two more and then you want to do three or four more. And then this guy wants one and that guy wants one. And then next thing you know, you're like, ah, I'm not set up for this. <laughs> and then you're like making orders and shout out to daddy Mac dies for having all the supplies. Cause he hooked me up and I was like, once I had the supplies that I needed for that, it was like, man, I'd like, that changes the thing. Like once you're set up for success in a space that is made for it off to the races, like have at it. Nice. Also shameless plug. Cause I'm going to do that. We do have all the disc dies and supplies that you need at the dyers guild as well. Uh, Heck yeah. definitely, um, have those bottles. We have sample packs to die so you can try out colors. So you don't have to buy a full jar to see if you Heck actually yeah. like the color. Um, but also shout out to discdying.com cause they do, um, sell dyes and supplies as well. Yep. Yep. And they were, they were the first ones I had came across, um, through Keith Lempa actually on Facebook. And it was like, I hooked up with them. And then when I had placed an order, um, daddy Mac had emailed me and I emailed him back. I'm like, is this your full-time job? Like, I'm just curious. And he's like, yeah, it is. Like, hopefully it stays this way. And I was (laughs) like, Oh my God, like someone is doing this full time. Like that is crazy. Nice. And like, that was a moment that like, it kind of like, I just remember that I was like, wow like that is that is nuts but the work that guy does is like out of this world yeah have you listened to their podcast i did actually i listened uh listened to it on the most recent plane ride home from europe actually nice. i was like um listen to dies by red i listened to that one and it was like some of the some of the bigger names that i'm like these guys like i, re- I respect their work um i like listening to their stuff it's like they've really got some good tips um again it's like the eagerness to get the knowledge out there mm-hmm. that is something that i i live for that that's so. awesome um, I, I feel like no one listens to this podcast, but when people say that, that's just, that's awesome. That's awesome. 
yeah oh it's yeah it's definitely in there i've got i've got like four or five downloaded and queued up that i'm like there it's the type of podcast that i'm like if i'm going to listen to it it's a one through mm-hmm. like it's like i don't want to listen to it in pieces it's like i want to sit down and like absorb all of it and it's for me it's always plane rides that's why i listen to most of my podcasts mm. anytime i travel i'm like it's podcast time <laughs> and so um i've got a plane ride coming up actually a week from today actually i'll be on a plane in, in exactly a week uh, so we'll be hammering out a couple more then nice you have to be sick of my voice by now <laughs> oh it's soothing it is soothing i have that radio voice um so I know you said you like to sell online versus in person. Have you vended mm-hmm. at any events or do you plan on vending at any events? Yeah, I, I vended at one event um, this last summer, so early summer um, this year. And it was at a like a craft fair, so to speak, um, at a local brewery. Um, so that was really, really cool. It was like kind of presented to me. like I was chit-chatting with somebody. They were like, hey, I've got a um, craft fair coming up. It's at this um, Pluck Farm Brewery. And they've got a disc golf course there. And so I was like... Oh, they got a disc golf course. Like I die discs. That'd be kind of cool to set up a table. And they were essentially like, sure, set up a table if you want. And I was like, wait, what? Like it's that easy? Like I don't have to like do anything. And now I got hooked up with them, and um, it was like three weeks away. And so I was like, I need a bajillion discs. And so I like got to the races, and I ended up dying thirty or forty discs, and having them all set up. Um, scrounged some tables together from some colleagues. Scrounged a tent together from a good buddy Matt. And like went at it and basically got everything put together. And that's the only event I ever did. Um, and it was fun. I, I really had a good time. I had some friends show up and there was a couple of disc baskets there. So we're throwing around and drinking beer, having a good time. Um, but outside of that, I've never, never vended. I've never vended at like a tour stop. Um, never done anything like that. But it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, do I want to dabble in that? Because I think that that is, it's kind of like the social media thing. It's like, if you're going to do it, Mm-hmm. Again, it's like, don't really fuck around, like do it. Like if you're going to do it, do it right. Set yourself up. If you want to sell discs at an event, you need to set up properly. It's not just throw some discs on a table and put a business card out there and think you're going to sell 50 discs. It's like you really, I, I'm the kind of person, if I'm going to do it, it's one and done. Like we're doing it right. We're doing it once. Yeah. No, I'm in the same mindset. And um, for me, I try to make everything look professional and polished and like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> even though I don't, Um, but it makes you look more established, professional, respectable, in my opinion. Yep. Yep. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of when you walk up to like a booth or a situation like that, when it's like, this guy knows what he's doing. It's like, I, I, I really, um, I thrive off that kind of respect where somebody's like, wow, this guy dies discs. Like one, I've never heard of this or two, this is like, this guy's at a different level than most other people I know that die discs. Mm -hmm. That's like something that I like, that's an aspiration. And so I think seeing that is, I think sometimes it actually holds me back (laughs) because it's like, I don't want to be the guy that half asses something. So a full asset. Yeah. If I'm going to, if I'm going to ask something, it's a full ass. Um, do you like to keep an inventory of die discs or is it a lot of on demand commission type work? Die discs specifically. I don't keep die discs just hanging around. Um, outside of, I actually, I do sell, or I have like a little booth set up at Yeats street discs here in Morseville, North Carolina, oh, nice. just south of Durham. Um, and I, uh, that was actually the first time I'd gotten into like selling, like repetitively selling discs. Um, and so I walked in and I, we, it was right after we moved down here, I had found out about a disc golf store and I was like, I got to check this place out. And like, we go down there, chit chat with the owners. He's like, Mark is just a super personal guy, personable guy. 
And so chit-chatting with him, I'm like, hey, I die discs. And he was like, well, email me some pictures of your work or like show me your social page. And at this point, there was no page. There was no name. It was just like Jake's dies. <laughs> <laughs> and so at that point, I emailed him a couple JPEGs and I was like, here we go. And he's like, yeah, sure. Bring some in. You set the price. Signed a little contract. Um, and I take my cut. They take their cut. And I've been selling there for almost two years now. Awesome. And yeah, so that's been been really cool. But outside of the stuff that sits on their shelves, which is admittedly less these days, um, I don't just like die stuff, throw it on the shelf and just wait for somebody mm -hmm. to snag it. And so he's like, somebody hits me up uh, and then they're like, this is what I want. And I have discs that are ready to die, but it's never just like something that's just died waiting to go. Um, and admittedly, I have the opposite problem where someone's like, hey, you still got my disc? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Like, thanks for the reminder. Yeah. Like, um, and speaking of your name, how did you come up with your die name? Oh, that was a struggle. It was, it was really a struggle. I had seen a bunch on um, Instagram and I was like going back and forth and I'm like, if we're going to start an account, it can't be like Jake's dies. Like it's gotta be something. And my last name is Forbes. And so I was like, Forbes dies, like dies by Forbes. And I was like all this stuff. And I'm like, none of it really had a ring. Mm -hmm. And it literally was like, I think it was a couple of drinks and my mom had come down to visit from Wisconsin. We're hanging out in the kitchen and it was just like fl disc dies flying. And it was like flying dies. And my mom was like, no. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> like I, I think we're doing it. And like, it was like flying dies. And then it was like flying dies or is it flying? And so it's flying without a, without a G. And it's just like, it kind of stuck. It was like flying dies. And then it's like, okay, like, that was kind of the conversation and it was like, that was it. And then made an Instagram account and here we are. Nice. It's always interesting to see, uh, how the origin story of people's names. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was nothing more than, uh, less than sober conversation <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> Sounds pretty Wisconsin-y to me. actually. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, we got to know, um, how you dye your discs and that dye stuff. That was kind of a bad thing there, but we're going to get to know you on a personal level now. Yeah, let's have it. What is, or I guess the next section that we're going to do is favorite faves. So what is your favorite band or song? Ooh, favorite band. So I still live a little bit in my high school era of music. Um, big fan of like punk rock, stuff like that. So a day to remember, I would say is probably still, it's kind of like my nostalgic, like, hardcore band that i'm like 100 that is it um beartooth is probably my current favorite um so i'll be going to a show again for the fourth time i'll be seeing them in march um and actually i just died a beartooth disc i got it sitting here um there it is nice. <laughs> i had to throw that one in there um but yeah i listen to a lot of heavy metal um a lot of like heavy guitar heavy drums stuff like that um and so a lot of inspiration comes from listening to heavy metal while dying discs which is kind of an interesting space to be because like i'm like hey you want to come die some discs and then immediately throw on some screamo <laughs> and people are like what the hell is this <laughs> yeah i forgot to ask do you listen to anything while you die your disc and that kind of answers the question yeah always music it's i have a like a wide range of music i go from like heavy edm like really really wub wub music to heavy metal um to nicole's taste of music which has rubbed off on me in the last eight years is um some like acoustic some more laid back um like folky music mm. um but typically like if i'm dying discs i'm i'm in this space it's like the hair is pulled back <laughs> i am listening to heavy metal like it, it is like yeah. we are jamming we are headbanging like we are having a good time nice uh, slight joke, five finger death punch. No, 
<laughs> I saw Five Finger in Wisconsin many, many times, actually. So, right on. Well, rock on because metal is good. I also find it interesting that we're gonna listen to some some oldies. Here's a Slipknot song. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> oh man. Oh, oh, that's funny. But man, those guys and a lot of the metal bands that we listen to, they're they're still kicking, which is impressive. It is impressive. It's it's fun to see, and it's like it's fun to see that like metal doesn't die. Yes. You know, it's like I appreciate it. I appreciate the the range of uh, or the demographic range, we'll say, at shows. And it's like yes. actually, I'm sure you've been to the rave at some point. Yeah. Um, and so I, that was like the first concert, like real concert that I ever really went to. That wasn't some like county fair mm-hmm. show. Was at the rave. Um, I skipped senior prom to go see Disturbed at the rave, <laughs> and it's like metal for some reason has just always stuck with me and i i really contributed to going to shows and it's like you go to a show everybody contributes like heavy metal with like crazy and i'm like no like people are phenomenal at shows like yeah mosh pits aren't just people like punching random people in the face like that's not what this is like it's crazy like don't get me wrong but like it's not not what you think it is yeah i feel like metalheads are like the nicest people yeah 100 (laughs) percent, 100 percent um yeah yeah uh my dad took me to Ozfest when I think it was like 15. I think that was like the first time I saw some boobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, I love that. All right. You're like, okay, dad, Ozzy. Yeah. <laughs> I like that music. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. What is your favorite food? Oh, I'm a huge fan of convenience. So pizza, man, it's like, it's such a cliche, but I, Warm pizza, cold pizza, day-old pizza. Do I dare say like three, four, five, six day-old pizza? I no shame. I it's like I love fine dining. I really love a lot of different foods. And like if I could have like any meal ever, it's like I would love just a classic steak dinner. Uh, just like a couple sides, like the very classic like American fine dining. But like I love convenience. So like mm-hmm. opening like if I'm in the mood, I'm like let's say I'm dying a bunch of discs. I'm like. I just all of a sudden get the urge, like, I'm hungry. I need food. There's pizza in the fridge. I'm not heating it up. Like, I'm <laughs> eating it. And it's like, it's gone in 30 seconds, and that's on to the next issue. <laughs> like, nice. So, do you have a favorite big, big, style of pizza? Garbage pizza, maybe. Okay. If anybody's familiar, it's like, I love Canadian bacon and pineapple. Like, that's like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It's, I feel like that's polarizing. Um, but I grew up, my mom making, like, I always say it's like the classic, like, Midwest, like, casserole pizza, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's like a two-inch thick pizza. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's got to be, like, my, like, preferred, like, mom's pizza, which we get every time we go home. But outside of that, it's, like, I like meat. I like, you know, sausage, ham, pepperoni, vegetables. Like, it's... It's got the, everything the, you the need classic. to survive. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And it's, like, and you add pineapple, it's got a perfect sweet touch to it. And it's, like, that's... I'm, to me that's like simple and people are like that's not simple i'm like oh that's simple that's like simple living <laughs> yeah um when i was in charlotte there's this restaurant that had a 28 28 inch pizza that you could order and i really really wanted to order it um but i ordered it online and it went to their other location in virginia three hours away oh no <laughs> and i called them up and they understood like that must have happened a lot which is interesting but I really wanted a 28-inch pizza. <laughs> <laughs> but so you didn't get the 28-inch pizza? Uh, no, we went to the place and just got some slices. Which, oh, thank God, because 28-inch pizza was a lot of food. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out it's a lot of freaking pizza. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what is your favorite beverage? 
Ooh, alcoholic or non-alcoholic? Both. Man, can I say water? But like abs- I love water. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I so I like I I like I don't want to say like I'm obsessed with beer, but I like having a beer. Um, shamelessly like high life, so I feel like it takes me back to my Wisconsin roots a little bit. Yes. Um, but like seriously, like I think people don't drink enough water, and I almost always have water. It's like a convenient thing, and it I think it solves a lot of issues. <laughs> it's like if I'm hungry, drink some water. Mm-hmm. It's like if I have a headache, drink some water. Like I'm not feeling the greatest, like just drink some freaking water, dude. <laughs> um, uh, so from that standpoint, it's like drink your freaking water, man. Like just drink it and like don't argue about it. It's fill up your water bottle and, and have at it. But if I it's like if I get done with a round of disc, or if I come home after a long day of work, it's like. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to crack a high life. <laughs> nice. Besides disc dying and disc golf, what other hobbies do you have or had you have? Ooh. So outside of disc golf, I would say my other like big physical activity is skiing. Um, I love skiing. It's like, I, I actually had this conversation recently with my brother-in-law and he was like kind of poking fun at me. He's like, how often do you think about skiing? And I was like, every day. And he was like, no, you don't. And I was like, no, I do. Like, actually, and he like he thought I was joking, and I was like, he's like, I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. I was like, no, dude, I'm being serious. Like, I I really enjoy skiing. Like, it is being in the mountains is something that like I dreamed of as a kid, and like turning that to reality, at, like in my late teenage years and in my undergrad years was like my first time being on the mountain. I vividly remember the very first time I went up a chairlift in the actual mountains, coming from like Wisconsin skiing, which mm-hmm. was nothing more than a garbage hill, and like being out there and like just being able to like explore the mountains at such a high speed, like high speed is also something I've always liked. Mm. And it's like, I'm not like some like car speed junkie, but it's like if the body can move fast and you can experience it, like something as stupid as like sticking your head out the window as a kid was crazy. It was like 60 miles an hour. That's nuts. And it's like, imagine that on skis, like imagine controlling yourself going down a mountain at 50 miles an hour. Like that is super, super cool. And it's just beautiful. Like get out of the mountains. So, so from that standpoint, I would say skiing is, is really, really cool. Um, and we're actually talking about moving out to the mountains uh, for that reason. It's like skiing and, and uh, being able to like enjoy that. Mm-hmm. So I think that outside of disc golf, I would say skiing. And um, I do some mountain biking as well. Um, North Carolina, fortunately, is a very good state for, for mountain biking and recreation sports in general. Um, but yeah, I would say disc golf, skiing, mountain biking, hiking. Um, I do enjoy like summer swimming, stuff like that. But just I like being outside. Yeah. It's like enjoy the sun. We're we're made to live outside. So being cooped up all day gets under my skin. Yeah, well that makes perfect sense. Um, are there any places to ski nearby where you currently live? Relative to nearby, um, West Virginia mm. has some decent skiing, so you can get up to Snowshoe Mountain. Um, it's about six and a half hours. Um, about seven if you get pulled over on the way. Uh, don't ask me how I know. Uh, North Carolina's got two or three mountains that I've never ventured to. Um, but frankly, I'm I've got friends in Salt Lake City. I've got friends in Denver. It's like if I'm gonna go ski, I know what good skiing is like. And once you experience it, it's mm. very hard to to pay money to not ski yeah. the good stuff. So. Uh, so what did you do for a living and like, what is your career or job? So it's a long, long story, but, um, engineer covers it. Um, so growing up in Wisconsin, I was a hands-on kid. Um, I got involved in machine shops. So I worked for a, a machine repair shop, um, out of West Bend, Wisconsin. 
um, while I was in high school, worked for them, and then went to school for CNC manufacturing. Um, so I got into milling and turning, stuff like that. It just it kind of came natural to me um, through like shop programs in high school, stuff like that. Um, got an undergraduate degree in Wisconsin and then got hooked up with a machine manufacturer in Michigan. Uh, worked with them, so a lot of hands-on work, a lot of, uh, I did gear manufacturing specifically, so for the, the big three out of Detroit. Um, and then most recently I worked for a startup here locally and um, it was a biotech startup, so that was a whole new world, uh, but working with biology that made concrete, which was a super cool venture. Um, but now I think I wanna stick within engineering, but I think I'll get more in the, the project side of things. Um, so like bigger scope stuff, uh, and just kind of overseeing projects as a whole. So I, th I think I'm pushing more into the, the project realm of things rather than the, the specific like minute tasks. Um, but I, I like the, the organization, the, the overarching, like long-term vision, you know, big project stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Engineers brains are very fascinating. Um, <laughs> it's very different from being creative for the most part. <laughs> It is, but it's so funny because I was, uh, when I started disc dyeing, it's like I was a, a process engineer. And so it's like, I always joke, like, I'm like, I can figure the process out. Like, I'll, like, I'll, I'll know the process. And like, we're talking about experimentation and it's like, I would love to make an experimentation. Like we could like, we could run a full design of an experimentation on this whole, like, does dyeing disc make it flippy or stable? Yeah. And it's like, we can nail that. Like we could make chart. I could make charts out the wazoo for, <laughs> for, for that kind of experimentation. It's like, boy, I can make this process of disc dyeing so streamlined and so fast. They may not look good, but man, this process is going to be great. <laughs> right. Actually, like 100%. It's like, I'll make a value stream map. It's <laughs> like, I would, I would love to run with it. Oh man. I'm going to use some lean principles in there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Actually, I just got my green belt. So <laughs> nice. Um, but I, I did work in the, construction industry for a while mainly as the mm -hmm. marketing and design stuff but i am no stranger to um working in the field because my dad had a sewer and water company and i was in the ditch mm -hmm. laying the pipe much prefer being behind the disc or desk i should say so yeah <laughs> yep yeah it's i've got an appreciation for hands-on stuff yeah like i think that it it was tough i will say when i was working a lot with my hands at work, I did not really want to come home and die discs. Yeah. It was like, I kind of just wanted to zone out and it was like doing some like tedious stuff. It's like, I did tedious stuff all day with my hands and like, not only like, does your body get sore being on your feet all day and, and working with your hands, but it's like, I just like, you kind of, I ran the mental space out, um, out of room there. Mm -hmm. And so it's like my more recent job, I was doing a lot more computer work, um, still hands on some stuff, but it was like, it gave me more mental space and capacity to come home and be like, okay, now we're going to die some discs. Yeah. Um, and now even more now, uh, not working. It's like, yeah, like I got time to do this. And it's like, it, it's funny how it ebbs and flows, you know, it goes in such waves. Mm. Yeah. No, any physical work like construction, it, um, it really wreaks havoc on your body too. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. All right, next section that I have. You have to pick three discs to play at any course for the rest of your life. What would they be and why? So the famous question that always comes up, if someone says three discs, is that three discs plus a putter? Or is it three discs? <laughs> One, two, three, that is it. Okay. I've had this argument with people and I'm in the same boat as you. Three discs <clears throat> means one, two, three. Yes. It does not mean one, two, three plus one. Yeah. A putter <laughs> is a disc. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I, it's like, oh my gosh, I, so many funny stories over that. <laughs> uh, but I would say, so currently it would be for me, it would be a beaten hex, 
which has replaced the bud or the buzz out of my bag um, as of last year. Um, a T-Bird three um, in specifically in color plastic, and it would probably be a proxy. I I putt with Envy's currently, um, but I do I prefer to throw proxies, and so if I had to slim it down to three, I would putt and throw a proxy and. I would have a hex that is a very like neutral to slightly flippy hex and a T-Bird 3. Nice. Well, if you listen to the podcast, you know I'm an MVP fanboy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what plastic is the hex that you have? Uh, actually, I picked up a Lozado, um for retail when they dropped, so that was cool. Um, didn't like I've never been one to like buy and flip discs, mm-hmm. so to speak, and so picked it up. I was like, this is cool. Started throwing it. Saw how valuable they were. Kept throwing it. <laughs> I was like, I like it. It feels really good. Um, I bagged the. I had a Big Z Buzz that was like my go-to for a long time. Yeah. Um, and bagged them simultaneously for probably four or five months. And it just slowly kind of just stopped getting thrown. And I find I was, especially at that point, I was throwing very stable discs. And mm-hmm. the hex was, it was like, I mean, it's not like an overstable disc, but it's a slightly stable disc, mm-hmm. um, especially to start, especially in glow plastic. And so it's like, I was throwing it. I was throwing some flex lines with it. I was throwing um, backhand, forehand with it. And like now it's like beat in to where it's like, it's got a nice, it'll hold a nice turn. And it's like that. I can't replace that disc. I yeah. actually, I bought some stock run glow hexes when they dropped. Yeah. I'm like, Nope, not the same. Yeah. Um, and actually I recently got four of the Halloween Lozados and I haven't even thrown them yet. Mm. Um, cause I, I just have my Lozado and I'm like, I can't live without this disc. Like I would be lost. Yeah. When I first started playing disc golf, I'm like, what's, why does everybody like their disc and why do they want to back? Just buy a new one. Yep. Then I realized, Oh, they become seasoned to perfection. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, Hex is my jam. I have a Fission Hex that um, mm-hmm. I got an ace with, my one and only ace nice. so far. So love that nice. thing. And I put with proxies. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, I actually, I switched to Envy's for putting. Um, I was putting with pilots. So actually, I started I started with Lunas, went to pilots. Um, and then I had a buddy, good buddy, Ryan. He was like, hey, I've got like 20 Envy's. Do you want to buy them for like dirt cheap? And I was like, yeah, I'll take them. Like, <laughs> I'll throw them at minimum. Um, and I started putting with them and then Nicole started putting with them because they were just at the basket. And then she switched from her fiercest to the NV. I switched from my pilots to the NV and I've been putting with them ever since. Nice. I'm not much of a forehand player, but I do like the forehand with the NVs. Yeah. I've got a glow NV actually. Um, one of the reactor 2.0s that I've begged for a long time. Um, shout out to Nick for getting me in that one, but I've had that thing for, that's probably one of the longer lasting discs in my bag. And I forehand it more and more these days because it was like I could never, I would always burn it over. Uh, but now it's like on approach shot, it is so buttery smooth. And mm. it's like I can place it, it just drops down, put it right where I want it. It's money disc. Nice. I also try when I can to use glow discs. But I, like you said, glow discs are pretty overstable and I have a noodle alarm. But I like to use glow discs mm-hmm. because I can use it during the summer and during the winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The only issue I have with glow discs is they're slippery and like living in North Carolina, like mm. I am not a man of the heat. <laughs> and so like play a lot of disc golf in the summer and it's like, like, I'm not kidding. Like you are fully drenched by like hole three. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I've also become a big fan of chalk bags <laughs> because I love glow plastic and you sweat a lot down here. And so this time of year is actually like, I love it because it's like, I'm not sweating playing disc golf and I can use my glow discs and they feel great. And they're not, it's like not so cold that they like get stiff and firm. Yeah. It's like they still, I really like the, the, the feel of the plastic. So I was, when I was down there, I was quite surprised how similar it is to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. 
So, in which regard? Just like the, the nature of the forest, the trees, like we were just mm-hmm. down there. So the leaves were falling. It's like, oh, it's kind of like because we played Nevin Park after the uh, uh, the tournament. I was like, this is, feels like Wisconsin course. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of wooded courses down here, but I would say that it feels very similar. Yeah. Um, although one weird observation that Nicole and I both had like indifferently of each other or differently from each other was like, we got down here and we we're like, the trees are so tall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like such a weird observation. But even when we go home, it's like every time we go to Wisconsin, I'm like, do you feel like the trees are short? And I'm like, it's either that they're short or that like, at least in this like region that we live in, in the triangle, it's like, everything's pretty compact and it was very wooded area that they cleared out for development. And so you're always like right up next to these big giant pine trees. Mm. And it's like, you go home and it's like big, vast farm fields and stuff. And it's like, the trees are way out. So they look tiny. <laughs> it's like, that's always like our one, like, like the trees are taller in North Carolina. Nice. And speaking of courses, uh, the next section I have is Lee perfect hole. What has been your most favorite course that you've played so far and or hole? Ooh, I, so I'm always torn between like woods golf and open golf. Like I go back and forth. I love woods golf. Um, I hated it when I moved here cause I was terrible at it. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've, you know, changed a lot of the bag. A lot of the bags getting a lot flippier and it's like just being able to shape shots, I think has been really, really, it's like, it's more rewarding to me than just like throwing 400 feet, mm-hmm. missing by 50 feet missing yeah. a putt and then yeah. tapping in. Like that's, it's fun. Like it's fun to rip shots, but like, it's not as fun as like, watch me hit this line. And like watch me do it with multiple different discs. So the perfect hole, that's tough. I like downhill shots. I like tunnel shots. So I, I like one doesn't even come to mind, but like something that's like downhill, 350, almost 400 feet that it's like, you probably don't want to throw a, a fairway driver, you know, 400 feet downhill because it's going to crash out. Mm-hmm. But like, can you throw your mid 400 feet downhill? Like you're going to try. <laughs> And so from that aspect, I think it's, yeah, something like fairly wooded, you know, with like, I always say, I love playing on pine straw, like in the woods down here. Mm -hmm. So like something in the shaded, like woods downhill, big monster shot that you got to like flip something up. Perfect. That's, that's a beautiful hole. Do you have any courses on your bucket list that you really want to play? Yeah. Naturally Maple Hill comes to mind. Like that's uh, naturally, I would mm-hmm. love to play that course. Um, a couple of the courses in the Charlotte area, um, Nevin looks very fun, looks very challenging. Hornet's Nest looks very fun. Um, the toboggan course at Deglo looks really, really cool. Um, I actually I went up and spectated at Deglo this year. Um, I actually played the AM side at Deglo, but we don't play toboggan for for AMs. Um, so just being able to play some of those downhill just monster throws, it's like that would be that would be something else. It's like. You know, the little kid in you comes out when you're like, I can throw 100 feet downhill. Like, watch this. I can finally throw 500 feet. <laughs> so I think that would be cool. Um, Eagles Crossing is another one that comes to mind. That one would be really cool. Um, and Idlewild. Yeah, Idlewild would be, that's the other, like, big bucket list one. Um, actually, two years in a row now, I've stopped and been able to watch Idlewild, both on road trips back to the Midwest. So nice. one was up on the way to Deglo this year, um, took a week off, and we stopped at Idlewild, stayed with some friends, and then went up to Deglo and spent the week up there. And then uh, last year, we were going up to Wisconsin for a wedding, and we I was actually going to stop and play Idlewild. And I looked, and the course was closed, and I was like, why is it closed? And I was like the pro tours there like what like this could be better so um i was like at that time at last year i was like i was following the pro tour a little bit like i kind of knew pe- where people were and standings and stuff mm-hmm. and like watched a lot of jomez um nothing like it is this year watch a lot of it but 
when I saw that they were going to be at Idlewild, I was like, one, how did I not realize this? Like, mm-hmm. I, if I would have known this, we would have made it a huge priority. And like, now it's the number one priority. And then two, it's like, I'm not even mad. I can't play it. I just want to go watch. Yeah. And it was the first pro event that I ever watched. And it was like, I just, you're hooked on watching those people throw. It is amazing to see it in person. Um, it just is. the, you don't realize how difficult some of these shots are and they make it look so easy. I'm like, how the hell do you do that? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting too, because I think people go through like almost like an evolution of watching disc golf. It's like some, a lot of people will start watching like post coverage stuff. And so it's like, they're watching like typically the better players, mm-hmm. right? You're watching the stuff on Joe Miss, you're watching lead card, you're watching chase card. And so you're going through and you're watching four people park 300 foot holes, 350 foot holes, hitting 500 foot shots. And it's like, Oh, that can't be that hard. Like, yeah. He's doing, look at them all. Like they're all, like, everybody's hitting putts from the edge of C1. And it's like, okay, now go watch the bottom half. Go watch the guys that are teeing off earlier in the day. Go watch the, some of the women that tee off first thing in the morning. Like they're pros mm-hmm. and they're struggling. Like now you go do it. Yeah. And so it's it's been fun to to evolve through that and like see other people where like more people are watching live coverage and like actually like chit chatting with it about some people where it's like okay like these people that are like eons better than I am are struggling with shots that I wish I could hit and it's like it just kind of brings it back to earth like. Okay, they're just people too, you yeah. know. It's like they're just really freaking good at disc golf, and they play a lot of freaking disc golf. Mm-hmm. And so I think seeing it live is like, it like not only does it remind me that like these are these are just people too, but like damn, these people are fucking talented. Yes. Like that is so fucking cool. Yeah. And speaking of the pros, if you had to pick mm-hmm. one pro disc golfer to hang out with and play around with, who would it be and why? Ooh, I've got the cliche. I've, I've put some time thinking about this yeah. one. Um, Kristen Tatar. It's like, it's, it's tough to say it's because being two times right now, it's like, she is killing the game. And like, I have wanted to have conversation with her about like, what does it feel like? Where's your mental space at? And like your training routine, like all of it leading up to it. She is on a different level of disc golf than most of the women out there. Mm. And like, it shows it's like, she like, I don't know how to explain it. Like she has a game that is not reproducible by anybody else currently. Mm. And I think being able to like pick her brain, it's like, I would love to sit down and just have a conversation with like, what is your warm up routine? What is your training routine? What is like, what is your course management? Like, what does your bag look like? Like your disc selection, like just being able to talk through all that stuff. I'm like, I feel like I could learn so much from her, but it's like, I would not be fun for her because I would be like a little kid. <laughs> like, so what do you do why, with this? Why, How do you do why, this? Why? Let me take some notes. Yeah, exactly. yeah okay. it, literally. What did you eat for breakfast? Like, when did you go to the yeah. bathroom? <laughs> literally. It's like, it's like I talk about it. I'm like, she, like, it would be like hanging out with a three-year-old. Like, why, 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 why? And it's like, it's, yeah. And it's like, I, I've seen her play a few times and I actually, I got to watch her win um, Worlds this year, which was really, really cool. But it's like, just like, seeing her mental game when she like she just smokes a tree right in front of her she just comes back like humbles herself and on to the next shot and i'm like i struggle with it i've seen uh, just about everybody struggles with it it's like you miss a 10 footer a 20 footer and it's like you just want to take your disc and throw it in the ground and it's like you're so upset at yourself and she just picks herself up you can see a little bit of frustration but it is she has it trained so well that it's like on to the next shot like that's done that's over with forget about it move on and like, that is a skill that I'm like, that is, I, I really think that that, that piece of her game right there is keeping her on the top. And it's like, yeah, I was going to say are, it, um, besides the physical game, it is a really mental game. Yep. 
it is a mental game that I personally feel there are so many pros that could be so much better if their mental game was like Kristen's. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's so much to learn from that. And like, there's the classic, like, yeah, of course it's easy to have your mental game be good when you're that good. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, when you're ahead by 10 strokes, your mental game's great. Like, of course it is. But like, you can see her on both sides of it. You know, it's like watching her battle at worlds was like, she's in it. Like she is, she is zoned in and it's like, I mean, it's her career, it's her life, it's her livelihood, but, like, she is in that freaking game, and, like, she is in it like nobody else. And, you know, I thought about it from both sides. I'm like, who from MPO would I want to watch? Who from FPO would I want to watch? And I'm like, I just really would like to play around. That would be to, to take that brain and to understand that mental game and just get the that piece of advice of, like, how in the hell do you do that? Mm -hmm. Like, how, how do you miss a 20-footer, get up, pick it up, and put it in and forget about it? Because that lives with me for like three holes <laughs> until I do yeah. something cool. It's like that just lives with me. Like, uh, yeah, it gets worse when you don't do something cool uh, multiple times. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and also like, I mean, she kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Where it was like, I wouldn't say out of nowhere, but like, I don't know. I feel like when I was watching disc golf two years ago, it's like she was there, but I mean, there were some other women just like. At, on top you mm -hmm. know like she was she wasn't number one and it was like now all of a sudden it's like that's all you hear that's all you know that's all everybody knows yeah and it's like i think i do have respect too that it's like you're not even an american and you just come over here and just beat up on all these women <laughs> like that is like how does that feel like mm. yeah. like props nice well we got to know jake on a mm -hmm. personal level as well as disc dying and i want to um thank you for your time where can people find your work if they want to find you? The best place currently to find work would be on Instagram. Um, so at Flying Dice. So again, that is flying without a G. So F-L-Y-I-N Dice. Um, I did recently find out there is an, another account. It is Flying Dice. Um, that's up and coming. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, good luck. Good luck. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, Flying Dice. Um, we do have a Facebook page. I don't post as much on there. Um, we do have a Reddit page as well that I post work occasionally, more to get tips um, from there. But yeah, Instagram is the number one page. Um, and then I sell them at Yeet Street. So YeetStreetDiscs.com um, also has some of my um, current work, and I'd love to support the local shop. Um, yeah, otherwise Instagram and uh, yeah, that's about it. Fantastic. Well, if you want to help support them, buy a raffle ticket, buy some discs. And you can go flying with flying dies. <laughs> right. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening to another episode of Dying to Listen. Until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye.